thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. As we step into the series today, or the second portion of the series today, um, if you remember back last week, we talked about how God, in order for us to really step into our calling, we have to embrace the reality of what God has done. And what we know is this, is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, nothing existed before God made it exist. Every atom, every molecule, every piece of, of anything that we see today that we experience, your house, your car, your very breath that you breathe, the hair on your head, the clothes that you're wearing, every tree, every rock, every piece of dirt, everything you see was created by God. Everything. And since God created it, and since Colossians says that the world is sustained through him and for him, it also means because he created it, because he sustains it, because it's for him, it all belongs to him anyway. Which includes your life. Turn and tell someone, say, you belong to God. It's important for us to understand this, that everything that we see, everything that we have, the reason why you have a car, the reason why you have a house, the reason why you have money, the reason why you have breath, the reason why you have clothes on. Well, there's other reasons why you have clothes on. But the reason why that whatever it is that you possess in your life was given to you by God, but it was given to you for God. And there's this divine exchange that happens in people's lives. You're gifting. People up here this morning, how many appreciate our worship team that were here with us this morning? They were given a gift, they were given a talent, and then they gave that back to God. So, and then God gave that back to them, and now they're using it for his purposes and his glory. So here's the deal. Everything that you have, there's a divine exchange. We're born into this world. We have breath. We have life. We, we, have, uh, we make money. We have a job. We have a family. God, in his incredible, he is, he's clever. He knows exactly what he's doing. We give all of that back to him because it's his in the first place. It's an act of our will of surrendering everything that we have, <clears throat> everything that we own, and we give it back to him. And then in return to the divine exchanges, he then in turn gives it back to us and says, now I want you to do with what I've just given you, and I want you to do with it what I want you to do with it. I want you to use it for my purposes. In other words, I want you to use your marriage for my purposes. I want you to parent your children for my purposes purposes. I want you to, to use your money for my purposes. I want everything about your life to be for me, according to Colossians, that everything was sustained through him and it was given to us for him. You got that? Say, got it. So that's the premise of everything. And until you understand that, until you fully embrace that about your life, about all that you hold in your life, you will never fully step into your calling. But once you understand that, once you say, God, I make the decision today, nothing in my life belongs to me, I give it to you. And now you give it to him and he gives it back. You begin to walk out your calling and your purpose on this earth. It starts with that act of your will. And so today, we're going to be talking about, after God gives it back to us, what do we do with the things that he's given us? 
What do we do with our life, with our relationships, with our, with our money, with our, with our very breath, with our talents, with our abilities, with your job, with the business you own, with the place you work at, with everything about your life? What do you do with it? What about your church? What do you do with it? Why does this church exist? And so we're going to be looking at how and why God wants us to act a certain way. We also talked about last week, it's very important to understand, the church has really gotten the rap of we want to correct people's behavior before God ever changes their hearts. And so a lot, of, a lot of teaching and preaching can happen in the church as a whole, the church. I want to fix your behavior. Do this, don't do this. Change this, then do this in return of that. And so it's, it's all about behavior. Listen, God is not concerned about behavior. He's concerned about your heart first. That's why Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you are whitewashed. In other words, you look good on the outside. Then he calls them tombs. You are full of dead man's bones. The church, we like to keep people looking good because we feel like, oh, good, we can control people. God is not, God is not concerned about controlling people. He's concerned about transforming your heart, helping you understand why you exist. And then out of a transformed heart, you will then be, begin to live the life that reflects the transformed heart. If you, if you just change the behavior, eventually you're going to behave how your heart is anyway. That's why Scripture says the, the, out of the mouth proceeds whatever is in the heart. And so we all know this, is that you will know it's a, a tree by its what? By its fruit. So you could tell me all day long that you're a mature Christian. But if you're a pitch in a fit because the coffee wasn't right out there, you're not a mature Christian. Now, I don't know if anyone pitched a fit this morning, but if you did, let that be a word from the Lord, just so you know. <laughs> what matters is the, the manifestation of your life should represent what's in your heart. If you've got to convince people that, how ma that you're mature, you are not mature. The fruit of your life should speak of what's going on in your heart. And so I want to talk to you today about this idea of the generous life, that God has given you things, and then how we respond to what he's given us back is what, what he is calling us to do. And there are benefits of being generous. Did you know in the Bible there are, there, there are some key words that as Christians we use a lot, the, the, the word believe, pray, love, and give. Did you know that the word believe is used 272 times in Scripture? It's used 272 times. This camera is groaning again at me, so if we could do something about that, it's pretty loud. The, secondly, the word pray, which is a, a key word. It's very important. Yes, we, this, is, this is an anchoring word for us in the Christian faith, pray. It's used 371 times in all of Scripture. The word love, which that's a pretty important um, word because it, it says God is love. Everything about Christ is about love, is used 714 times. Now, in the area of giving or generosity, this word is used 2,152 times throughout Scripture. Why? Because God is about giving. He's about generosity. Remember, everything that you have in your life is a gift from God. It was given by God to you. This really matters. And this series and this message today is not about guilt. It's, it's not about the need or the obligation. This is about really about the why. Why? Why? Why are we to live a generous life? 
Because if you don't know the why, I'm going to say something very bold here today. I, I would say you probably shouldn't be generous if you don't know why you're being generous. Because there are some key things that will help you understand what God is doing and wants to do in your life. This is not about you doing something. This is about you doing something with a certain type of heart. Being a Christian is not about doing something that you have to do. You don't, it's not about, well, you're a Christian, so you can't do that. No, no. It's about doing something that you want to do. Because your heart has been changed. Because the fruit of your life is what Jesus has done inside of you. It has transformed you. That's, that's, that's a good point. And that's what we need to understand. The Christian life is not about doing things you have to do. It's about doing things you want to do. Because who you are is you're no longer the same. You're a new creation. You've been bought with a price. Everything about your life has changed. So I want to answer the question of the why. Why should I live a generous life with what God has given back to me? Why should I be generous? It's not about me. It's about God. So how do I respond to that? And I, and I believe being generous with what God has put in your life should be the greatest joy of your life. I really do. It should be the greatest joy. That's why God gave it to you. That's why God gave you the mind to think about. what. You, the reason why you have a degree is because God gave you a brain to be able to get a degree. The reason why you, 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 got a, you got a real estate license is because God gave you the ability to get a real estate license. And so how you respond with what God's given to you is how you are to be, you are to be generous with what God has given to you. I just, real quickly, I, if, if you want to have power, the power of God in your life, if you want to have the blessing of God in your life, which we all say amen to that, if you want God's presence flowing through your life, and we all say amen to that, there are three keys that you need to focus on. We're going to be focusing on the last one today. You need to build your life on these three things. You need to build your life on integrity. You need to build your life on humility. And if you want the power and the presence and the blessing of God, this number three, you need to build your life on generosity. So in the Bible, there are over 7,000 promises for us. But every, with every promise, there, was, there were conditions. If you do this, then I will do that. That's, what, that's, how God, that's how God works. If you do this, then I will do that. And there are promises for success, promises for for uh, satisfaction, promises for blessing, promises for fulfillment, and we all want those, and we all seek after them, and we, we, we know that is what God wants for us. And in Scripture, though, the number one thing that God has promises about is connected to what we're talking about today called generosity. Out of all of the promises, there are more promises that are connected to this idea of generosity. Now, I'm just not talking about money today. I'm talking about us being generous with your energy, with your talent, with your praise, with your time. With, yes, with your finances, with your relationships. All of these things God, that God has, if God has given them to you, and we know that all things were created by him and for him, and now we possess them, they were given to us, and we are to do something with them. And that is, I believe with all of my heart, to be generous with what God has given us. It is the fruit of the one who lives inside of us is this idea of generosity. So the first is the one we're, we're looking at here is the foundation of everything that we, we're going to look at today. And it's this, generosity makes me more like God. 
There are all types of books out there about generosity, all types of, of, of great, amazing things. And these are some of these keys that really stood out to me. And because people, once they possess them, it begins to transform them. So generosity makes me more like God. John 3.16, which is the most well-known verse almost in the world. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son. He gave. He gave of him. He was generous of him. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Again, here is a promise with, with, a, with a condition. You have to believe in him so that you will not perish and have eternal life. But this whole idea, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave it all. God is a giver. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave. Everything you have was a gift from God. He gave it to you. Here's, here's the reality. You can give without loving. You can do that. But you cannot love without giving. Scripture says God is love. For God so loved that he gave. And to be like God, you've got to learn to become a giver. Any time you give anything, any time, any money, in energy, you become more like God and you become more like Jesus. And I'll tell you why. One is because you have to, it goes against what our own flesh tells us to do. But when you do it, your heart grows bigger. You enlarge your capacity to carry and be responsible for more things that God wants to give to you and more things that are important to God. If you are generous with the little, then he will allow you to be generous with the much. That's just how it works. Proverbs 21, 26 says this, some people are always greedy. Anyone know anybody like that? Don't point to them, but I'm just asking you if you know somebody. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly, what? Love to give. So giving is a manifestation of the godly. Very interesting. The more godly you become, what the scripture says means the more generous you're going to be. It is the fruit of your life. Another benefit of generosity is this. Is generosity helps me overcome materialism, which is number two. There's a lie that we see on TV all the time. It says this, happiness can be purchased. If you buy this, you'll be happy. If you get one more of those, you'll be happy. If you already got one of those, if you got a third one, you'd be even happier. And it's constantly trying to tell us to get something, to buy something. My happiness depends on if I'm there, if I'm in that neighborhood, if I'm in that place, if I have this. And it's, it's, we are driven by this idea, if I can get stuff, then I can be happy. Really, the, the motto of America should be life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. You can't buy happiness, though. But that's the American way. The more you get, the happier you'll be. And that's, we all know, that is a lie. People think, if I can just get a certain thing, I can be happy. If I can just get more, I can be happy. If that were true, obviously people with, with the most would be most happy. Now listen, I know people that have much, and they are happy because their identity is not in the stuff. Their identity is in Christ. I knew people who have a lot and have much, and they are miserable because their identity is in the stuff. 
because they think this is mine. And then you have to worry about maintaining the mine with the, if the mine isn't really yours. I don't know what I just said, but I was trying to say something clever and it worked out. <laughs> but here's the deal. Stuff doesn't bring you happiness. It doesn't bring you happiness. I heard this quote a long time ago. It said this, you make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. You make a living by what you get. I, we get that. God's called us to work. We're not to be lazy. We're to work hard. And that's what we're to do. But you make a life by what you give. And every time I give or you give, it helps us overcome this idea of materialism. It's the only antidote. It's the only antidote that I, that I really see to materialism. When the whole world says, get more, get all you can, and can all you get, and store it away, and don't let anyone else touch it, generosity says, give it away. It breaks the grip of materialism. It's the key that unlocks your freedom and helps you step into a fresh new world. You might say, you know what, I'm, now this is, this is the bold statement. I want you to hear it for a moment, though. You might say, I, I'm not a materialist. Listen, this has nothing to do with how much money you have. It has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with what you do with what you have. So you might say, I'm, I'm, I'm not materialistic. But here's the deal. If you're not giving, then you are. This is called a pregnant pause where you just, after you say something, you just let it sit just for a bit. If, if you're not being generous with what you have, then you're materialistic. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said this, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, I, I want you to notice something here. He didn't say you should not. You shouldn't do that. That's a bad idea. He says you cannot serve both God and money, which means everything that you possess, either it belongs to God and you're serving him, or it doesn't, and you're not serving him. Now, it doesn't mean we, we, we're not going to spend our whole life, continue to surrender and give over to him. But Jesus said this, but you cannot serve both God and money. You have to make the determination at some point in your life. Am I going to be rich or am I going to serve God? If your focus is, focus is I'm going to be rich for me then you're serving money. If your focus is I'm going to be rich so that I can give and sow and be a part of God's kingdom on this earth, then, hey, you've got it right. We live in a culture that's been seduced by materialism. And this is just a definition that, that I came up with, and, and I've, I think it fits it well. Materialism is giving your affection and your love and your attention to things that are made from man-made material. So think about it. Money, house, car. Materialism is giving your affection, your love, your attention to things that are made out of man-made material. If you find your affection on those, then maybe you have some business to do with God today. 1 Timothy 6, 17, 17 through 19. This is, this is Paul writing to a group of people who, who, it doesn't mean they were wealthy. It just means what they had was rich. I'll tell you what. If you have clean water, you live in a home, and you, and you have a car, you are like the top 
top percent of the world. If you don't have a car and you have those things, you're still a part of the top percent of the world. But Paul says this. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Again, don't put your hope in wealth. In other words, don't be caught up in materialism, which is so uncertain. In other words, it's gonna, it can come and go. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides for us everything. Now look at this, for our enjoyment. So it doesn't say that some people are like, well, they apologize for the blessing of God on their life. Never apologize for God's blessing on your life. He's given it to you for a reason. Rejoice in that. Celebrate in that. You, now you have the opportunity to do something with it. Because he's given it to you for his enjoyment. For your enjoyment. Not just his, but your enjoyment. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. Isn't this funny? Like God is really set on helping the church understand you need to share, folks. That's what he's saying. You need to share. And so if you do this, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves, a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is the last statement, really is, is profound. In other words, you make a life by giving. Because he said, if you give and are generous, you will take hold of the life that is truly life. That's, that's really good. And it means that you and I, if we want to live life, then we need to have a generous life. Generosity is an antidote to materialism. It teaches us to give away. Number three, a benefit of generosity is this. It gives, generosity gives me joy. It gives me joy. Acts 20.35 says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, how many actually believe this? I, I, I believe it, but I'll tell you what, I don't mind a gift every once in a while. When we think of happiness and being blessed, and a lot of times you say, man, I am so blessed. What that means is you've just probably received something. You've just received a gift or you've just received something that was outside of the ordinary. And you're like, I am so blessed. According to this scripture, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So if you want to trump the, the way you feel when someone gives you a gift, then you start giving other people gifts. Start thinking, how can I be generous? How can I give? How can I, how can I sow into different people? How can I give to the church in a, in a fresh new way that maybe I haven't done before? How do I, how, do, how can I do that? And there's just something about giving. It's really more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, here's the deal. Either, either God is a liar or this is true. Either Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about or he does. And this is the reality when you start dealing with some of these promises. Either God is a liar or that promise is true. And that's why we have to live our lives according to these promises. I want to make a general statement that, uh, that you may, may or may not agree with. But I would say most people who are cranky are cranky because all they focus on is themselves. And they are not generous because generosity gives people joy. 
I'd be, I, I bet you if you were to really dig deep, you would find a person who has a bad attitude and cranky is most of their conversation is about what they want. Not about how they can serve someone else. I can spot it. I, within one conversation, the first sentence out of a lot of people's mouths, I can tell this person is about themselves or this person is about being, they, they want to be generous with who they are. Most people who are cranky, who are critical, are focused about what they want, what they think should happen, what they think it all goes a certain way. And all of a sudden you, you begin to see that manifest out of their own hearts because true generosity gives a person real, real joy. Not fake joy, real joy. Generosity is a source of joy. Jesus said there is more happiness in giving than there is in receiving. And God is teaching, continue to teach me to be a giver. I want to continue to be a giver with what God's given to me. Do you know why, though, we need to be taught daily to be a giver? Because it is in our nature to be selfish. It's in our nature to be concerned about numero uno. Because, again, remember last week we talked about what God has given us, that, that this statement that rocks people's world. Why, why God has given you things, you need to understand this. First, it's not about me. I use this illustration. I didn't say it first service, but I thought, what if, what if worship songs were written around the way that we actually live our lives? One song, it's, it's all about me. Gee, no, no, really. And all this is for me, for my glory and my fame. It's not about you, as if you should do things my way. I alone am God, and it's still about me. You know, whatever that may be, I don't know, I don't know. That was your opportunity to clap because I just sang for you, but that's okay. That, no, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Totally joking, totally joking. Or the other one, Lord, I lift my name on high. Lord, I love to sing my praises. I'm so glad I'm in your life. Anyway, that, anyway just move on. It's not about me. Your life's not about you. If we could get that, man, it could change our lives. And we would be more generous. And God wants to teach us to be givers because he wants us to experience the truth of his word. That it is actually more blessed to be, we are more blessed to be generous than it is to receive. And if, if he knows that's the case, it's the promise and that's the condition, then he wants to teach us to give more so that we can experience joy more. Because he's a good father and he wants to lead us and guide us. There really, there are there are two types of people in this world. There are givers and there are takers. And the happy people in life are people that are generous with what God has given them. Jesus said this, if, if, you, if you want to find your life, you need, to, what, you need to lose your life. And the other people, the takers, they're, they're, they're miserable. Actually, the root word, this is interesting, the root word of miserable is actually from the word miser. And a miser is someone who hoards, who keeps, who doesn't share. They're always out for themselves. They're always trying to get what they want to get and, and nobody else can have it. And, and it ends up they are miserable. First Chronicles 29. This is they, they gave this offering for the temple says this. The people rejoice for they had given freely 
and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King David was filled with joy. Some, they rejoiced because they had given freely, generously. You know, every time I, I talk to someone who's, who's come to our church and visits our church, they all, if I have friends who come, they say, you know, your church is so happy. You're so happy. They're like, I walked in and people greeted me and people smiled at me. And if they asked if I need any help. And, and you, there's just a sense of joy here. Do you know why I believe that's the case? Because we are a generous giving church. We really are. And God is doing that in our midst. And here's the other thing, though. I believe God always wants to bring us to a new level of generosity. Why? Because, one, there's a greater blessing on the other side of generosity. Two, there's a greater impact on the other side of generosity. Three, because it's God's purpose and plan for us to take with what we have and be generous with it. Time, talent, treasure, whatever it may be. But I believe God wants a greater generosity because we could do more for the hurting. We could do more for the broken. We could do more for the lost. We could do more in, in our own body in times of trouble, in times of need. There is so much more we could do for the sake of Christ. And the Lord has more for us in this area of generosity and in, in my own life as well. I believe that. One is he wants us to have more joy and generosity produces joy. Number four, generosity reveals my faith. Generosity reveals really what I believe. Do I really believe what the Bible says? Generosity shows that you believe that the Bible is true. It shows that you believe that God will take care of you when you use what you have for his purposes. It reveals your faith. You give not with, not with suspicion, not with stipulations. You give because you've been inspired by God to do so. And therefore, he's now responsible for the money. If the money isn't yours and he inspires you to give, then the results of the money is up to him. There are lots of promises in the Bible. And there are more promises regarding giving, giving as we've already looked at, than any other thing. So with every promise, there's this thing what's called a premise. God says, you give, and I'll give to you. But we say, God, you give to me, and then I'll give to you. Like, Lord, if you bless me, I want you to know, wink, wink, I'll do something special for you, too. Listen, you've thought, it, Lord, if you'll just bless me, I'm telling you, I'll give back to you. I'll do it. So now that, now that I've made a commitment to actually give to you, will you give to me? Now that I've said, hey, I can help you. Man, you know, Lord, children's church needs some new carpet. I'll buy them new carpet if you'll just bless me. God says, no, it's all right. I can handle the carpet by myself. God says this, if you give to me, then I'll bless you. Because generosity reveals our faith. It takes no faith to wait for God to bless you and then give. It takes no, Lord, I, you know, God, I, I, need, I need more time. If you'll, if you'll do something to give me more time, then I'll give my time back to you. God says, how about you make a decision to cut something out of your, out of your busy schedule and give me your time, and then I'll give you more time. 
It's just how it works. It's how God works. God says, you prime the pump, and I will open up the faucets of heaven and give on you and pour on you a blessing you cannot contain. That's the way God works. You say, well, I don't like that. It doesn't matter. That's the way God works. That's the truth of his word. He wants you to do something by faith. In other words, you don't totally know the outcome, but you trust him and you trust in his promises. Because generosity reveals your faith. Philemon 1.6 says this, you are generous because of your faith. Not, not, that, that, not that your generosity produces faith, but generosity, you are generous. It's the fruit of your tree because you've put your faith in God with what you have. And I believe the reason why someone and some people are stingy is simply this, because of unbelief. They do not believe in the truth of God's word. Either God is a liar or his word's true. It's a strong statement, but I believe it. I believe everything that this word says. I believe it. I don't totally understand it all the time, but by faith, I'm going to believe it. Because really we don't do things of generosity because really what it boils down to is maybe we don't believe that God can really take care of me. Maybe we really don't believe that I'll have enough if I was to give of my time, to give of my resources, to give of my finances, to give of my talent. Because we think, yeah, but God, I'm so stressed, I'm so busy, I'm, I'm so tight. And so again, Lord, we start bargaining with God. God says, no, just act in faith. And watch and see what I can do with if you'll just give me what's in your hands. I'll do something amazing. You are generous because of your faith. Number five, generosity is an investment into eternity. I heard this illustration a long time ago about investment into eternity. The reality is our, our resources, we can't take them with us. You're not going to do it. Has, you know, the question was asked, has anybody ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul? No. The answer would be no, just in case you're wondering. I don't know. Has someone ever? I don't know. No. Don't Google it. No, it hasn't happened. But you can send your resources ahead. You can invest into something that you don't see. Well, but, but I can't see that. I want to be able to check my portfolio and see how it's doing. Here's the deal. By faith, you invest into eternity. And then when you get there, all of a sudden there is a blessing that you think, I actually invested into something that I could take, take with me. I, I, you can't take it with you, but when you show up, that blessing is there. And every time you give, it's, it is a, an, an eternal investment. Jesus said, store up treasures in heaven. He wouldn't have told you that if that wasn't possible. He said, store up treasures in heaven. How do you do that? Well, I, I want to look at this passage we've already looked at in 1 Timothy 6 and another translation. I love how this reads. It says, tell them, speaking of, of us, the church, tell them to use their money to do good, that they should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, by doing what? Being generous, doing good works, giving to people in need, being generous with what God's given. They will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. It is the only way that we can store up 
Anything that will last is by investing into eternity. It's very powerful. This, this, this is such an but I can't see it. Again, it requires faith. Your generosity reveals your faith. Another thing, you could say generosity strengthens your faith. That when you give, you're giving. And every time you give, you strengthen that muscle of faith. And over and over and over. And then you see God is faithful to his word. You do it again. You do it again. But generosity is about faith. Number six, generosity honors God. When you are generous, it is an act of worship. It's actually the opposite of the character of the devil, which is our enemy. Giving is a recognition that everything you have belongs to God. 2 Corinthians 9.13 says this, You will be glorifying God through your generous gifts. Your generosity will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. This is a, just a mic drop statement. Your generosity will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Jesus. That's what it says. Well, I thought it was my prayer time. Well, that's part of, of your relationship with Jesus. But your generosity proves that you are obedient to Jesus. Proverbs 14.31 says this, whoever is generous to the needy honors God. Generosity brings honor to God. Which brings us to number seven, generosity blesses me in return. Here's the reality. You are always going to get more out of giving than what you get. Generosity blesses me in return. Either Proverbs 22, 9 is a lie, and God is a liar, or it's true. A generous man will himself be blessed. Psalm 112 says this, good will come to him who is what? Generous. And a righteous man will be remembered forever. So he tied this, and this whole passage is really beautiful, how they tie generosity with righteousness. So here's the question for this. What do you want to be remembered by? What do you want to be remembered for? Calvin Coolidge, who was the uh, United States 30th president, said this, No man is ever honored by what he received in life. He's only honored for what he gave in life. Think about that. We're not honored for what we get out of life. We're honored by what we give in life. A lot of people, they, they, they amass a big fortune. But they're not honored by what they got. We're honored for what we give. Fathers, when you die, are your kids going to say, my dad was a generous man. He was generous with his time, generous with his money, generous with his energy. Moms, when you die... Are your children going to say, mom was a generous mom. If she had it, man, she gave it. Are you a friend? Are you going to be remembered that your friendship was generous? That you were generous? Is your church family going to say, you know, you know what, that, that person gave her. Jason, Jason gave us all he had. He was generous. The Bible says that we are blessed in return when we are generous with others. We don't have the scripture, but 11, Proverbs 11, 25 says this, a generous man, listen to this, will prosper. Either God's a liar or that scripture's true. He who refreshes others 
will be refreshed himself. That's what it says. So there's, there's a secret here that we keep seeing over and over and over again. That whatever you give out is what you're going to get back. This is, just doesn't work on stuff. It works with our lives. Everything within us. What we embody holistically. Hey, do you see this? If you give out criticism, guess what you're going to get back? Criticism. If you give out gossip, guess what you're going to get back? Gossip about yourself. If you give out suspicion, you're always trying to plant seeds of suspicion. Well, I don't know about them. Well, I think they're this. Well, I'm just, well, the Lord told me. No, he didn't. He did not tell you that. So stop telling people you think the Lord told you. Stop it. You're sowing suspicion. If, if, if you give out anything, if you give out encouragement, guess what you're going to get back? You're going to get back encouragement. If you give out life, if you give out speaking life over people, guess what? They're going to speak it back over you. It's the law of sowing and reaping. If we reap, then we're going to sow that. And the more we give away, the more we're going to get God's blessing back on our own lives. The last one, number eight, generosity draws me closer to God. Whatever I invest my resources into reveals what is important to me. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We know this. We've, we've heard this a million times. When you give of your money to God, there's a supernatural openness that happens in your heart, according to Scripture. In other words, this. Just, just hang with me just for a moment. When I invest into God and to His work, it honors Him. It glorifies Him. It breaks materialism off of my life. And I experience joy. It draws me also closer to Him. So here's my challenge to you today. And this is going to rock some of you today. And I believe it's what God has to say. If you feel stuck in your faith, if you desire to draw closer to God, begin to put your treasure where you want your heart to be. I, I really believe that. If you need to be more generous with your, with your marriage, you need that. Because it, it really, it's a time thing. It's your treasure. I treasure my time. Give time to your spouse. Put your heart. Put your treasure to where you want your heart to be. If you want to be a better husband, if you want to be a better father, if you want a better wife, a better friend, better, better church member to be a part of what God's doing here, Begin to put your treasures where you want your heart to be. And when you do that, when you're generous, it draws you closer to God. And I believe, really, this is the challenge that God has for us. That when we put our treasure into something, it reveals that God's heart in us. It reveals something that's happening through us we put our treasure and do something out of generosity, all of a sudden our heart opens up and we begin to walk with God in a fresh new way. Some of the greatest seasons of my spiritual growth came when the Lord challenged me to be generous with what He's given to me. I mean, there was a season where we, we, had, we were moving and, and we could, listen, I needed some cold, hard cash is what I needed. And the Lord said, give your stuff away. Don't sell it on Craigslist, give it away. I thought, um, I need money. So how's that going to work? 
So we find out this, our neighbor needed a bed, we gave him our bed. Neighbor, someone needed a car, we gave him the car. We could have sold it. We needed stairs, we gave him our stairs. We, we begin to say, this, our stuff doesn't belong to us. And either I believe that or I don't. I'm not saying God's going to tell you all to do that. You've got to use wisdom. God be led of the Lord, whatever that may be. But we decided to do it. And then in our time of need, God met us in our time of need. Now, I'm not, we had once, but we never went without God meeting our needs. And I can stand here to say, God is not a liar. His word is true. I remember growing up as a family. My parents struggled financially. My dad got laid off from work every winter. He worked for the railroad, and he got laid off, and, and it, was, it was tight. It was a struggle. But my parents tithe. I remember th- seeing them write this check, and I, I remember I'm not being able to buy basketball shoes to play basketball. And they wrote the check. I thought, well, that could buy my basketball shoes. But they did it anyway. Now, I didn't have the best shoes. I'd have to get out polish and po- get white polish, which it, it glowed like they were glow in the dark on the, on the it, was, it was pretty nasty. But anyway, I, I did it because we didn't have money. But I saw them give generously. And there were moments we didn't have food. And I, I, someone would come and knock on our door and say, God spoke to me to bring you this. It'd be a, it'd be a car full of groceries. One time my Uncle Paul showed up. On an evening, my dad was laid off. We're at home, a cold evening. My Uncle Paul drove four hours from St. Louis. And he showed up, and he had Kentucky Fried Chicken. Come on, hallelujah. That's, 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 that's good. We never went without. We went without once, but we never went without. God took the measly tithe of my parents And he used it to meet our needs time and time and time again. We were generous with our time. We we had people over our house eating our meals that we barely had enough for us. And they did it over and over and over again. And today I stand knowing that God is faithful to his word. If you are generous with what he's given to you, he will meet your needs. Not only that... Not only does it say you will live a good life on this earth, you will store up treasures in heaven. That is the power and the beauty of generosity. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.